welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. Today's guest is Lindsay Stein. Lindsay took on the newly created role as Havis, New York's Chief of Social Impact in September 2021. She's charged with partnering with marketers and organizations to help them leverage their own values in order to create research-based social impact solutions that drive tangible change. Stein will also help reframe the metrics around how success is measured by developing custom social impact workshops, initiatives, and projects that make a measurable difference. Before that, Stein served as the CEO of nonprofit Today I'm Brave, dedicated to unlocking bravery in today's youth so they can take on the challenges of tomorrow. Since taking the helm last summer, Stein has helped the organization define three pillars of inspiration and change, including diversity, equity, and inclusion, education, and health and wellness. This July, Stein spearheaded the launch of Today I'm Brave's inaugural Brave Camp, an event that brought together individual donors and over 100 advertising agencies and production companies to fund low-income and BIPOC youth to attend a transformative week-long event designed to inspire self-confidence and bravery through immersive wilderness experiences in a curated Brave curriculum. Prior to Today I'm Brave, Stein served as the U.S. editor for Campaign Magazine, the world's largest advertising trade publication, where she worked for several years to celebrate the industry while helping to elevate it by holding agencies and brands accountable for doing work in the right way. During her time at Campaign, she launched the Female Frontier Awards and Power of Purpose Awards, evolved the Inclusivity and Creativity Awards and 40 Over 40 competition, and kicked off an agency-wide maternity and paternity report. Before campaign, Stein was a reporter at AdAge for three years, focusing on creativity, marketing, and media. She also previously spent five years at PR Week, covering consumer marketing and communications. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Um, so can you give us a little bit, a little description of yourself, or just a brief summary of who you are before I, you know, I, before we get into the conversation? Oh, man, brief summary. Um, <laughs> I, uh, just like, you know, from I, where you are, uh, yeah, where you're from. Sure, sure. I'm from New Jersey. Um, but I've been in New York City for about um, 11 years, uh, maybe a little over 11 years now. Um, I was a journalist for a long time um, and then went to run a nonprofit. And then mm-hmm. as of September 2021, um, I started at Havas, New York as the first chief of social impact. Cool. Okay, so you mentioned you grew up in New Jersey, Hackettstown, New Jersey, just outside of Pennsylvania. How, how was it growing up for you in Hackettstown? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. I mean, I had a really great upbringing. Um, you know, it, it's funny because it's a small town uh, and there's a lot of farms and horses and cows and all of that. So oh. um, the, the, the city is definitely different um, experience. But yeah, I mean, I, I really I really loved my hometown. I had the probably pretty typical high school experience with um, pep rallies and football games. Huh. Um, I was I was uh, one of those people who was very active in the school, probably kind of like a like a dork, but I'm good with that. <laughs> like, like president of the school and, um, all, you know, really involved in some of the um, work around the town, like Jersey Men, which was cleaning up um, 
some local cemeteries and oh, wow. giving tours to family kids. Yeah, so it was a uh, it was a really good experience. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of Hackettstown. So when you wrote that, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's I've never heard of that town. And it's like, so I'm thank you for giving that. Oh well, here's a here's a fun fact a fun fact for you. So the Mars factory is in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Oh. So. Yeah, and um, anyone who in like advertising or marketing who's worked with Eminem Mars knows about Hackettstown because of that. And people always ask me, does it smell like chocolate? It actually does. <laughs> it really? Does. And on the sign that says "Welcome to Hackettstown," there are Eminems on the sign. <gasps> oh, that's hysterical! <laughs> that's hysterical. I mean, so do you actually like you know when you go past the um, I guess factories, does it smell like overwhelmingly smell like chocolate? It did more when I was a kid. Um, okay. I know that they kind of they moved a lot of the the factory factory work of the you know the making of M and M's I think to a different part of the U S. But it still does smell like chocolate sometimes. And <laughs> um, and there's just I'm telling you there's a lot of like love for M and M's in my hometown. Uh, like everybody gets like the newest editions. And my oh, mom even really? has yeah my mom and dad have these like ceramic you know M and M's containers that are always filled with different types of M and M's when you walk in the oh, house. It's that's... also dangerous because you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. Wow, I would have loved that house. Oh my goodness, <laughs> growing up because I I love chocolate. So all right, so going past that. So I read that you lost almost sixty pounds on Weight Watchers your senior year of high school. Okay, was yep. was all right. So first of all. Why did you have to lose that? I mean, I'm asking for me. It's like, did you need to lose or did you want to lose? And was that an important milestone for you? Yeah, it really was. Um, it was really, it was a experience that really changed my life, I would say, in a lot of ways. Um, I was always athletic and I was always like a thicker build. Like, so, mm. you know, Polish family, we're always we're a little bit thicker. So, I, you know, I was, I was still captain of the volleyball team when I was overweight but I definitely was overweight um I was a size you know 14 16 um I weighed about maybe 200 pounds when I was a senior in high school but mm. it, it's it's weird because you probably wouldn't be able to tell that I was that overweight at the mm -hmm. time I was just very dense um and then yeah you know I, I it's not that I even was super unhappy with the way I looked but I, I started to realize that I, I wasn't healthy um mm. and my brother actually really helped kind of push me to do it because I think at that stage of your life you feel like oh I don't want to go to Weight Watchers and sit there and mm. it's you know it's, it makes you feel so weird um, but actually going to the meetings was great um, not to be like a Weight Watchers infomercial but it really mm. it really was especially being so young and having these women like just cheer me on every week and once uh, you see the first week that you make a difference like, you're like oh I lost a couple pounds and then you yeah. just keep going back right um, until I was you know a healthy weight and then you kind of reach like a goal weight um and it's it's just it really changed my life I you know huh. I still eat anyone who knows me knows I still love to eat um and I love wine and all of that it's just everything in moderation and making sure you still are active and walk around and get steps in and all of that so wow. it's not that you know yeah it kind of changes your relationship with food you know mm -hmm. you can have mm -hmm. a slice of pizza you don't have to have like five or six slices of pizza mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you can still have M&Ms but maybe not the whole bag right um but it oh. also just makes you, yeah, it makes you really just realize the way people can treat you when you might look different. And I think mm. it made me, yeah, it made me also, I think I've always been empathetic, but um, I did realize that people all of a sudden might invite me to parties now because I was thinner when I was 18. And all of a sudden I'd be like, well, I don't want to go now just because <laughs> you're inviting me because the way yeah. I look. Yeah. So it makes you really value who people are as humans and that mm -hmm. doesn't 
matter what you look like, but you have to be confident with yourself. That's amazing. I, I think that's incredible that at a young age you knew, I mean, that, you know, you wanted to do this for your own health, not because of, yeah, maybe, you know, like you said, you know, you kind of like felt, you know, when, when you finally got to the goal weight or, or when you were um, not the uh, old weight that you had, that people started paying attention or started inviting you. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so, but you knew that this was, this was, you were doing this out of health reasons. So that's a, that's a really important message because, you know, a lot of people, I, I mean, I'm not general, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of people do have, you know, health problems and probably need to, like, um, or w- would probably like to lose weight, but somehow can't. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard for them. Um, yeah, it takes like, yeah. it takes something, right? Like, even yes. my mom, my mom recently lost 77 pounds That's on Weight Watchers as well. Wow. And I'm so proud of her. And she, and she said both hips replaced and both knees replaced and all that. And she, uh, you know, it does change the way you view food because it makes mm-hmm. you realize that she was an emotional eater. She might mm-hmm. have been doing it because she was like a little sad or lonely and COVID's mm-hmm. a really hard time and all of that. So um, having that support system is really great. And she did it because for health reasons too, basically, mm-hmm. her, you know, her doctor told her you need to do this for health, your health. And, yeah. and now she's so much more confident and it's just, it really Aww. is amazing what it does. Plus it just builds a community. I think like that's uh, that's something that's really important. You connect yeah. with people on a really emotional level and vulnerable level. Right. Yeah. You, you realize that you're not alone and, and yep. they're there to support you no matter what. So, Oh, that's really cool. Oh, my gosh. Well, kudos to you. Um, so, so, so in college, you went to Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Journalism and studied journalism. Did you always want to be a journalist? Were you, were you always a writer? Yeah, I always was a writer for sure. Um, I even remember when I was a kid, when I was like really young, I don't even know, like just learning to write, I would take books out of the bookshelf and just like copy the words oh, really? into a little notebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I had a little pink diary um, when I was like five and six. And I remember I had a little key, like a little plastic key. I wonder if my parents still have it. <laughs> and I would write things down like I ate Cheerios this morning. And oh. like, <laughs> my, like I would document everything I did. It's really silly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a short time where I wanted to be a veterinarian, and I went to Shadow of Vet when I was 16, but then uh-huh. quickly decided to, <laughs> to be a journalist. Um, oh so, yeah, always, always loved to write. Okay, so you started covering high school and youth sports in New Jersey, and then a year after that, you became a reporter for PR Week in, in New York City covering consumer marketing. So... Um, then after five years of that, you went to Ad Age, so trade publications. Um, so what, well, okay, so did you enjoy covering, back then, did you enjoy covering high school and youth sports events? Yeah, it was, uh, that was really fun. And I, that was a great experience because it was a startup and it was really scrappy and nimble. And, you know, I was 22 and right out of college. So I was just really excited mm. to have my first job and, um and yeah, it was just really, that was a really fun experience. Uh, I also love sports, which is why I right, wanted yeah. to cover that. I've, I've right. always loved sports. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, you, I mean, I, you were in, you were uh, a big sports, well, I mean, you were in sports, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, so was my brother. I always, you know, watched oh. his games. He played, he played sports in college, all that. So, wow. yeah, and then um, when I wound up working at PR Week, it was, uh, it was also great because I remember them telling me you could still kind of cover but in a different huh. way so 
I, I wound up interviewing like the CMO of the NHL or oh, the NFL really? or yeah, stuff like that, which was obviously different, but um, really exciting and new. And I, I love to learn new things. I think, you know, yeah. a lot of journalists love that job because you're always, you're constantly learning and constantly meeting new people. So right. that was a really great experience. Okay. And then from there you went to Ad Age and then went to become the U.S. editor of Campaign Magazines, Campaign Magazine. Um, what is Campaign Magazine about and what was your role there? Yeah, so Campaign Magazine is the world's largest trade publication for advertising and creativity. It's based uh, in London, okay. um, and, but they also have footprints in all different parts of the world, um, in China, um, in India, in Turkey. Uh, and then they really wanted to grow out the U.S. market um, because, you know, there's Ad Age here, there's Ad Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. they really wanted to kind of, you know, build that out. And they gave me the freedom to do that here. And it, that was just a really great time because um, they let me be a little autonomous. And mm-hmm. the market here the market here in the U.S. is different than in the U.K. So um, culturally having different content. And I got teased a bunch of times because I remember when we launched the Female Frontier Awards, they were like, oh, it's going to be cheesy if you do these thank you videos from you know, the, the women's kids or friends or coworkers. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm telling you, people are going to love these surprise mm. videos. And, mm. and, and the women all, you know, like there was tears and laughter Aww. and they were teasing because they were like in the UK, they would just be too cheesy. <laughs> uh, wouldn't work. Um, right. Yeah. Different, different but, like, cultural perspectives. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. They were like, you Americans are so sensitive. They were joking <laughs> around. Um, but <laughs> Oh my so, gosh. No, so that that was that was really awesome. Um, I had a great uh, female leader there, Claire Beal, who knows the industry um, in and out. Uh, she was really fantastic, and I uh, really believed in uh, me and the work we were doing here. Um, mm. We also launched the Power of Purpose Awards, because I've always yeah. been a big believer in purpose-driven marketing oh. and that the industry can make a difference. So. Um, that was a really uh, exciting initiative to launch, in addition to Female Frontier Awards. So, were they solely concerning women? The purpose. So female, the okay. female frontier awards were all women, and that was um, different categories. So it was things like you know technology, media, mm-hmm. uh, leadership, rising stars. Rising stars, I always made free to enter because I felt like if you know you are a rising star, you might not have the means to you know submit for one hundred fifty dollars or whatever that is, mm-hmm. or if your friend wanted to submit you. But um, so you know because it, it was a award, uh, awards entry did have you know fees to mm. it and all that. So. Um, but the, so for that, the reason I made that a little different was we also chose five winners per category because I feel like just choosing one winner doesn't make sense. The industry is so big, the advertising mm-hmm. and marketing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are just way too many women to say like only one woman is, each category, yeah. you know, best in technology. So we did five um, in each category. And then we did have one editorial pick each year mm-hmm. as the fearless female of the year. Oh, cool. So. The first year was Tiffany R. Warren, who at the time was um, the chief diversity officer of Omnicom, but also the founder of AdColor. And now she's at Sony uh, as their uh, chief diversity officer. But um, Tiffany just did an amazing amount of work for the whole industry, not just her own company in terms Mm of um, diversity, equity, inclusion Mm -hmm. and bringing together brands and agencies. So she was our editorial pick for Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then Power Purpose Awards were uh, for the whole industry to enter purpose-driven marketing, whether it was moving the needle on LGBTQ rights or Ah, gender issues or, um, you know, there was an amazing campaign. I think Saatchi did it around Down syndrome called um, End Law Law Syndrome because there are a lot of laws that um, hold people with Down syndrome back from getting full-time jobs. 
So oh, they were geez. trying to go to Congress. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they, so that campaign was really impactful and made a difference and um, also was just a really great campaign. So um, honoring work that was making a difference, but also, you know, did a great job of doing that creatively. That's great. That's really awesome. Uh, okay. So in summer of 2020, you became the CEO of a nonprofit organization called Today I'm Brave. So for those who don't know, what is Today I'm Brave about and why was it important for you to be a part of it? Uh, yeah, so Today I'm Brave is a nonprofit that was founded in 2016 by David Angelo, who um, is an amazing uh, person. He um, is an activist and also a the founder of David um, and Goliath, which is an ad agency in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and he really has a passion for helping uh, children and underserved youth and um, giving back to the world in general. So he founded this nonprofit in 2016, and they did really amazing work in Sierra Leone and in Puerto Rico. And then um, during the pandemic, you know, I've known David for a long time. We were talking and it was a time during the summer of 2020 when it was just really full of fear and mm. uncertainty and, you know, there's civil unrest. There were so many people dying. There was mm-hmm. so much hatred in the world and um, just kind of talked about what, you know, what my next role was going to be and how I could kind of give back and do more for the world. And then he was talking about Say I'm Brave and how he wants to evolve it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just was a perfect synergy of the time of coming together and why don't we do this together and um, worked with him to kind of build a new infrastructure out for mm-hmm. Today and Brave, where the focus now going forward is going to be around uh, helping underserved youth in the areas of diversity, equity, inclusion, health and wellness and education. Mm-hmm. Um, and we held our first Brave Camp, which was my first uh, big initiative there. We did like smaller things throughout the year, but Brave Camp was a camp we um, held in uh, Portola, California, which is about an hour or so outside of Reno. Um, uh-huh. And it, uh, the children that we uh, were serving for this is like a, the pilot was, were um, from Sacramento and they were oh. all underserved, underprivileged children, um, BIPOC children. And mm-hmm. we p- selected a hundred from this other partner nonprofit, brought them to Brave Camp at Sierra Nevada Journeys for a week. They really got involved in this immersive, brave experience that was full of outdoor events like kayaking and archery and hiking but also mixed in with kind of the brave values that we found to be really important and empowering around empathy and Mm -hmm. um, meditation and arts and creativity so it was kind of like woven through Mm -hmm. and that was the first year we held that and that was a really really great um, experience and then uh, I believe they're going to be you know continuing that going forward um now as a, wow. you know, something that hopefully grows year on year. That's amazing. So, and and how did you choose who could go to, in the brave in this camp? So we partnered with another nonprofit called Improve Your Tomorrow, and that nonprofit has relationships with these children already. So we found mm. it had to be, you know, we really wanted these children to feel comfortable going because mm-hmm. for a lot of them, this was the first time really um, diving into nature and leaving their home for a week. Right. So. Wow. They, they know these counselors, they know their mentors mm-hmm. and prove tomorrow. So um, they let the kids apply to go and like, explained it to them. And then, um, you know, the, the ones that they felt like could get the most out of it, but also whose parents said it was okay or whose mentor, you know, um, guardian said it was okay and also mm-hmm. who could emotionally um, handle it as well. Wow. Okay. And you said it was for a weekend or was it a week? It was, um, it, was six, it was a six day, six days. Wow. And did you hear like how they, you know, what they thought of it afterwards? Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is I think sometimes as adults, we like beat ourselves up so much. We're like, this went wrong or that went mm. wrong or something. Right. Mm-hmm. But then 
when you get feedback from the children, they don't see any of those kind of behind the scenes <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah. And they're just having a really good time. And, you know, like I remember talking to these two little girls who were just so excited to go Aww. kayaking. So I've never done that before. They were best friends who came together wow. or, yeah, or just even hiking or, um, this, you know, this, this one little boy gave me a flower on a hike Aww. and was telling me, <laughs> telling me that he wanted to pick one for his sister too. And it was like oh super cute. It's so cute. And the feedback, it was all great. And they all had a great time and they hope to go back next year, which, um, initially, you know, I'm not there right now, so I don't want to mm-hmm. speak out of turn, but mm-hmm. I know initially the, the goal was to hopefully bring some of the children back or at least keep in touch with them. Right. Um, as the pilot, so we'll see, you know, how that grows going forward. Wow. Okay. One last thing about today on Brave, yeah. before, Brave, Brave Camp before we continue. But so, what what was the age range that you would take for the camp? So it was initially supposed to be a little younger, um, around ten to twelve. But um, a lot, like after talking to Improve Your Tomorrow, they actually skewed a little bit older. So it was mm-hmm. around twelve to twelve to fifteen. Okay. So teens. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, um, that's really, so they really wanted it to be, you know, like for young, uh, well, uh, young teens, so they could really get a grasp of what was out there. That's, uh, and they didn't want, uh, or were there not enough younger children that, that could participate? That's a good question. Um, It might have been a mix of both. Um, Mm -hmm. Also with COVID, you know, still, oh yeah, it really depended, I think, on everyone's comfortability and yes. I know um 12 and up kids get vaccinated uh, so that, okay. I think that played played a role into that yeah okay okay so you are currently the chief of social impact at Havas New York for those who don't know what is Havas New York about and what does your role entail sure um so Havas, Havas uh, New sorry York. Oh, yeah, okay. no, no worries no worries uh Havas um is uh, an advertising agency but uh, it's much more than that and I would say our Havas group overall global mission is to make a meaningful difference to the brands, businesses and lives of people we work with, um, which is a big thing for me because, you know, I, I really want to make a meaningful difference um, in general in the world and with everyone who hopefully I touch and all of that. So um, when I decided to take this role, uh, I would say like a very, very, very big majority of the reason why I decided to join Havas was because of their CEO of Havas mm-hmm. New York, Laura Manis, who mm-hmm. is just an amazing human. And um, she really is a force for good. And she is full of light and energy. And she really wants to make a difference. And she's not one of those people who's just, you know, lip service. She's taking action. Um, and when she was telling me some of the amazing things that Havas New York is doing mm-hmm. now and what we couldn't announce when I joined, um, which we could talk about in a minute mm-hmm. with when she told me about that, I was like, well, this is a company and a person who I want to work with and for and um, wow. help grow, you know, all of the amazing things that they're doing. That's great. So was there an event that prompted you or incident and prompted you to, to join Havas New York? I mean, you mentioned yeah, so, Laura Manis. So. Yeah, so in a, yeah, definitely. In addition to, uh, you know, just talking to Laura about everything they were doing and um, all of that, I got really excited by the fact that after two years of going through this process, Havas New York is now a, certified as a B Corporation, mm-hmm. um, which is a certification verified incredible leaders in the business community who place an equal balance on people, planet, and profit. And mm-hmm. it's run by a nonprofit B-Lab. It is a really long process. Um, it is definitely a hard process to go through. There's a, a lot of assessments and tests and all that. So it took two years to go through, but um, 
it's incredible because now we join this prestigious global group of other certified B Corps in over 70 countries wow. around the world, like Patagonia, Danone, Allbirds, Bombas. I mean, there's so many I could like rattle off. I'm sure huh. you know a lot of them, but because of that, we're now legally required to consider the impact of our decisions on our employees, our workers, suppliers, community, and the environment. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's really putting your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. and really putting our people and our planet ahead of our profit. And of course we are, you know, always going to be focused on profit too, or company, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. really is about putting that all together. Um, and we're also moving toward becoming zero waste in New York and we're committed to becoming carbon neutral by 2025. Really? Um, yeah. That's in addition cool. to, wow. yeah. In addition to, you know, a number of other initiatives, uh-huh. Um, within Havas, like commit to change around DE&I. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's just a lot of really amazing work that Havas New York is doing. So I'm proud to be part of that, part of this company and part of this change. That's great. And was that part of your aha moment when you were speaking with her? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, just working for Laura in general, I know I would grow and um, learn a lot. And, you know, she is definitely someone who, you feel like you are going to make a difference with her. And, mm-hmm. but, but the B Corps aspect really does um, kind of change the game. I think it really sets us apart. And, you know, I don't want to say it's like giving us a competitive advantage. Um, if anything, we really want other ad agencies that are our size because we're a large agency mm-hmm. uh, to, to go through this process because we think it'll be better for the whole world. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, and yeah. it sounds cheesy, but we say that, you know, I know the ad agencies are often competitive, but we're not competitive when it comes to our planet or our future. Mm. Um, so this is all for the greater good. I like that. That's really cool. So the the brands that you represent, I mean, how has branding changed during or since the pandemic? Uh, I mean, has it changed or do you think there's more or that needs to be done? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I can't talk about it uh, too much, I guess, from the Havas standpoint, since I've only been there about a month, but, mm-hmm. um, I would say just, you know, just loosely talking to people within Havas so far, like the account leads and also talking to a lot of my friends within the ad world, just cause I've covered it for a long time as a journalist. So I still keep in touch. I think brands in general are really focusing more on purpose-driven yeah. work, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it sounds like a buzzword and I know it was thrown around at Cannes a ton a few years ago, mm-hmm. but now more than ever, it makes a difference. I think oh, that yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think that COVID really put things into perspective for a lot of people, um, including a lot of leaders. And even if you just look at the state of the world right now, if you were to take a step back, right, there are so many statistics like, um, you know, more than 5 million children a year die before the age of five from preventable infectious diseases Mm, um, or 820 million people go hungry every night. Right. So like there are so many things that like we as like a society should be doing. And if brands have the, the power and the money to you know, have some change, whether it's on those areas around children, around health, or around sustainability in our planet, because mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of things going on with our planet, too, that yeah. needs to be changed. Um, yeah. So you're, you're seeing commitments from companies around greenhouse gases and carbon emission, but also just within the branding itself, you're seeing more brands aligned to values, whether it's around Black Lives Matter or LGBTQ, yeah. and it's not as much just, you know, slapping a logo on something, I think they're actually trying to make change. That's great. I love hearing that because we are in such, you know, (laughs) where we are right now was not where we were two years ago. And definitely so much has changed and lives have been, you know, changed forever from this 
from this pandemic um, and so to, to find out, you know, to find companies that are really, you know, putting their money where their mouth is, is, is really, that's, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> and especially, so you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, like sustainable things that, you know, we can all do. So that, that's great. Um, yeah. It's really, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, it's just, it's, it's interesting you said even, you know, things that we each can do, right, even for small things, because one of our clients is Finnish, um, which is a brand within Reckitt, and they did a campaign during the pandemic around um, washing your dishes. They also did a campaign around mm. washing your hands and conserving water with that, but even with just washing the dishes, right, and this yeah. is even, like, arguments I think a lot of either couples or friends or roommates or family members have, but yeah. some people rinse their dishes before they put it in the dishwasher and some don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, yeah, and I do, I do actually. Yes, <laughs> see, yeah. And, and sometimes I'm guilty of it too. And, but sometimes I'll be like, Hey, you know, maybe you don't have to rinse that to right. you know, other people, but you know, cause you can save a lot of water. So they're doing a campaign around that. So it's like little tiny things like that, or yeah. maybe not using as many single use bottles and, mm-hmm. you know, using more like a, uh, clean canteens and um, you know different types of uh to-go bottle uh, yeah. reusable bottles right no that's 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 really interesting um so how did the pandemic affect you working in an industry where working with clients face-to-face or in person was the norm um it's a good question i mean um well the nonprofit, you know it was it was hard too because it was starting a new job during the pandemic and then mm. um I, the other job before that, a campaign, I was very used to going to events and mm-hmm. hosting hosting events and um, interviewing in person and traveling oh, for work and all of that, right? So yeah. um, it was definitely a big change. I think everyone just had to get a little comfortable um, with Zoom and mm. had to make the, make the best of it. And everyone yeah. had to do, you know, Zoom happy hours, Zoom parties. Um, <laughs> yeah. Zoom is now so. like our second word. It's really funny. I know. know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so true. And now there's, you know, Zoom rooms and office buildings and all mm-hmm. of that. So um, it, it changed, but uh, everyone was kind of doing it together. So just uh, awesome. all had to lean in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I read something about um, Havas, like Havas CX on, on your site's page. What is Havas Health CX? Um, that is a good question. Um, that's So that, I believe, would be the experience group. Um, would you like? Yeah, that's the brand experience. I'm So I work for Havas New York's creative side, oh, okay. but I'm still learning okay. because okay. it's a, it's a I would say it's a it's a big Havas group overall. It's like a really big holding company, um, and we're in a you know, hundred plus, I think almost two hundred countries. But oh, wow. uh, for, I didn't know Havas, it was so global. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's Havas Health, there's Havas Media, there's um, Creative, and then there's uh, CX is the um, experience side, I believe, and then there's you know within that like each village, like within Havas New York, we have Annex eighty eight, we have Triptych. Um, there's Havas Studios, so I'm still kind of learning myself, to be honest. <laughs> there's it's a only, lot. Okay. It's only been a month, so I'm, okay. I'm learning. No problem. Yeah, it's like I, I, that just caught my eye when I was looking at your website, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Okay. Um, okay, well, you know, I mean, is there someone or people you would give credit to for where you are now? Um, a great question. I would always have to, you know, I have to definitely say my parents because they have just been amazing um, supporters and they're my biggest fans. So absolutely. Uh, and my brother, he's always been there even to like help me edit essays, my older brother when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but professionally, I would 
say Steve Barrett, who was my um, editor at PR Week when I first moved to New York, and he's still a really good friend. I actually just saw him this weekend, mm. um, and he um, he was really hard on me, and mm. <laughs> he, uh, with his, like, you know, deep British voice, he'd be, like, tearing apart my copy when I was, like, you know, 23 or 24 years old, and I was terrified <laughs> of him at first, but... <laughs> But he really made me a better writer, and I, I realized that he might have been harder on me because he uh, saw potential in me, and mm-hmm. he um, gave me, you know, he gave me the opportunity to host events when I was really young and go on stage and go on camera, and gave me hard, um, you know, hard leads to chase. Um, so I, I was really, you know, I am really grateful for all of that, and um, that he still is a great friend and a mentor. So, oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Okay, so you did a, I mean, I, I, I found this on YouTube. You did a segment on YouTube with WPP, which is a British advertising company. And you mentioned that what made you optimistic was the organization Girl Up, by the way, I love Girl Up, which is part of UN Women. Um, mm-hmm. What is it about them that makes you optimistic about the future? Yeah, um, so I would say that's, uh, it's funny, that that segment i think it was with laurent i believe ezekiel who's yes. the cmo of WP. Yeah, yeah so laurent is great he's like he's like definitely a friend of mine that was when i was at campaign um and he like reversed that on me when i was the editor of campaign yeah, he I, was like, I heard that yeah yeah I thought he that was, was like, awesome well you, you i'm gonna put you in the hot seat um so i love what they do i love that they help mentor young girls and they um you know they bring them here to the to the u.s and to new york from all over the world too and I was fortunate enough to be one of the speakers who got to spend a whole day with oh, wow. um, some of the girls yeah and I think that's why and they like they were just so inspiring and they mm. were young and they would come right up to me after um, we spoke and it was me I think someone from Forbes I'm trying to remember now it was a couple of years ago um, and the girls just went straight up to me and just were asking questions and were like, can you do a boomerang video with me? Can you do this? It was before, I think it was before TikTok. It was definitely before TikTok. So, Uh and I was like, I was like, sure. And they were like posting on Instagram. They all follow me on Instagram um, now. And actually one of the girls, yeah, one of the girls um, just published a book too. And I think that's amazing. And she like asked me to read it and to give her feedback on it and give give like a quote on the book. I mean, I, I think that's, it's just a great organization for um, young leaders and for mm-hmm. the next, you know, next generation of uh, female leadership. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I love Girl Up. I follow them, too. Yeah. Um, so can you mention a time when you thought you needed to do something that could affect your life and others? Hmm. Let me think. Um, I mean, it. It might be when I joined, honestly, Havas, just because I feel like we can really make some change here, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and not only like inspire, you know, future talent within the ad industry and attract talent within the ad industry, but like, you know, work with clients to actually make some meaningful, tangible change in the world Mm -hmm. and um, hopefully measure some of that change. Uh, So, yeah, I think just taking this job which it's funny I always said I was never going to work in the ad industry but you know <laughs> being being able to like like work in this industry at an agency that's really committed to change um mm. just means a lot that's awesome I love that um so do you have any personal goals at the moment personal goals okay so to add to that is there something you haven't done that you would like to try 
Oh man, I haven't done yet. Um, I guess learn a language, but I don't think that's gonna happen anytime <laughs> soon. But, um, but I would say, I, maybe, wait, why I'm not? Maybe... You could. I mean, you uh, probably you might want to go to a different country with Havas. <laughs> so. That's true. That's true. I, I mean, I speak very minimal French, but um, but <laughs> I, and maybe I, I tried Duolingo a little bit. I don't know if it's if it's just you know for me, but um, I uh -huh. definitely should should meditate more. I don't mm. meditate enough. Um, mm -hmm. I have tried here and there. Um, we do have Headspace um, within Havas for all employees. So I did download it when I started, oh, uh, when cool. I started here a month ago. Uh -huh. So I've been trying to dive in, even if it's like five minutes or three minutes. Um, oh, okay. But I'm sure, I'm sure everyone who's like started it just knows it's, you know, within a couple seconds i'm like oh what am i doing next do I, what should mm. i add to the add to the grocery list or yeah. do, you know um <laughs> your to-do list yeah what, what meeting is next yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's hard but i think that being a little more mindful is uh would be really beneficial okay so what are your goals for havas new york um i mean i you know i hope like if we were to talk in a year from now that mm -hmm. we'd be able to talk about some really amazing campaigns that we've launched with our clients and with um, new clients um, around whether it's, you know, sustainability or um, LGBTQ rights or fighting a bill in Congress. Uh, you know, we do have amazing clients doing work like that, like Moen, um, you know, worked in a bill uh, with Congress around water. So, mm. you know, there's a, there are some clients doing some really amazing things. So just diving in with them and um, being able to talk about some change that they've made from a measurable standpoint and point to those, uh, statistics and be like, you know, we've been able to do this. And also mm -hmm. to show the, the industry overall that purpose and profit can go hand in hand. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I like that. Um, and so what does the future hold for Lindsay? Oh, man, that's funny. I, I always laugh at this question because I'm mm -hmm. definitely not like a crystal ball person. <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, I just, you know, I, I try to focus on being a good person and hopefully uh, like bettering myself um, every day, which is why I think meditation is, is good. Um, I want to keep learning and uh, I really, on, a, on a short scale, I really want my dog to learn how to walk on a leash <laughs> correctly. Um, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I really just want to keep learning and keep growing and I want to stay um, curious and mm. stay hungry and passionate. I love that. And okay, so what does the future hold for Havas, Havas, New York. Um, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's kind of back to what I said. I, I want to keep um, keep growing our, our client roster, but with clients that are like minded and share our values. Mm -hmm. um, and and whether it's with our existing clients, which we have amazing clients already, um, and helping them either launch a new initiative or dive further into an initiative they're already working on around social impact or purpose, um, and then bringing uh, new agencies, I mean, new brands into the fold around that. And also maybe like, you know, helping this movement around B Corps and hopefully igniting kind of a fire within the ad industry. Okay. Um, both in Havas, you know, I want to keep uh, keep our staff um, excited about this and all of our talent. I want to attract the top, like the best talent in the industry and the most like curious, hungry, passionate talent out there who also want to make a difference and do it in a creative way. Okay. And what would you tell young people who might who might be interested in getting involved with, you know, with Havas? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, they could, um, they could definitely reach out to me. I'm easy to find. Um, but, and mm -hmm. they, I, I would point them to um, our amazing people in HR and talent um, 
to see what roles are open. I would say like to definitely reach out because I think some people are shy, right? And they're like, oh, we don't see a job open on the mm-hmm. website or, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm, you know, I'm not qualified for this role, but it never hurts to just reach out and have a conversation. And, um, you know, we, we definitely want people who are excited about what we're doing. So definitely just try to reach out. That's great. Okay, so is there anything you would like to say to the listeners? Oh, to listeners. Um, <laughs> um, just that, you know, uh, um, oh, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like you're going to have to edit this part. Um, what would I say to listeners? I would say uh, just to, like, maybe be on the lookout for what's to come from Havas, New York. Um, you know, I not even from, like, a promotional standpoint, but I think that, we are going to be doing some really amazing work um, and I'm really proud of our team. And we even have some really awesome campaigns coming out soon um, with the Ali Fournay foundation. Um, and we have a, a really exciting um, thing we're doing uh, with um, around Parkinson's, which will be oh, great really? uh, and wow. exciting. Yeah. So that will come out. So I say like, stay on the lookout for that. And um, overall, you know, just, it, you know, stay passionate and stay true to yourself. Yeah, are you are you um, excited about all the initiatives that are coming out of Havas that now you're going to be involved in? Oh, yeah, so excited. And it's great to just, like, hear all the work and hear how excited everyone internally is about what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm really, really excited. That's really cool. Okay, so if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? Uh probably meditate honestly <laughs> to go back to that. I really do wish I uh, wish I started doing that more um and probably also uh learn a language um mm. yeah those are probably the two two biggest things do, well do you find that you have the time now to meditate or not yet <laughs> you know given your I schedule it's funny I think that you know I have a friend who um meditates a lot and she says you know you can do it for three minutes or two minutes or five minutes. It doesn't have to be for like hours at a time. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think like anyone can make the time to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I remember I tried to do it recently, it was interrupted during it. So you really have to try to <laughs> unplug for, for, even if it's five minutes, <laughs> unplug yeah. for five minutes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and t- I think like another thing is to be more present. I think that, um, and that's something I think everyone struggles with today, yeah. just with like cell phones and, you yes, know, for sure. like social media and everything. It's like, when you're in the moment, try to be more in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I'm trying to actively do, and that <laughs> I, I wish I kind of had done a yeah. while ago. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of people are guilty of that. I know for sure I am. You know, I've tried to meditate for years, and I'm just like, I, I can't seem to turn my <laughs> the, yeah. my head off, you know, whatever's going on in my head. And I've tried. You know, like, Eva, I'll even do, like, a five-minute thing, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, not yeah. I'm not thinking about that anymore, <laughs> you know? Totally. Totally, totally. And even just being present with people, right? Like, yes. I feel like, you know, when you're, um, when you're at like a dinner or like a lunch or just having friends over, it's, uh, it's, it's just hard. Like, I know everyone has a phone, including myself, and I'm definitely guilty of it, like checking your phone all the time. And you know, I think it's something I'm trying to actively do and probably should have been trying to do for a long time or just like take like an hour or two. Because I have some friends that do that. And I'm always like amazed. They'll be like, turn their phone upside down and not touch it until like dinner's over. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I know it's something that I, I definitely should try to do okay and my last question is if you could go back in time what would you tell your younger self that's a good question what would I tell my younger self 
Um, I'd probably tell my younger self to get comfortable being uncomfortable because, um, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in a homeostasis and, um, you know, change is so scary. And I do think that everything, like the greatest things in your life are on the other side of fear. So you really just need to push past that fear feeling Mm -hmm. and just go all in and trust your gut Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, just it's okay to be a little uncomfortable sometimes and probably have the best outcome. Wow. Okay. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show and being so generous with your time. Good luck with your new role at Havas, New York. And I, I really, you know, I wish you luck and I, I can't wait to hear about the uh, initiatives that your company is going to be doing with your involvement, um, you know, and I hope you keep in touch so we can, you know, continue the conversation. So... Thank you so much. And we will definitely keep in touch. And I hope that a year from now we can talk even more. Yeah. Even more. And maybe maybe I'll have meditated by then. My dog will will walk on a leash straight. I don't know. And we'll we'll have a lot of exciting initiatives, I'm sure, to share with you about Havas. But um, thank you so much, though. This has been really great. Same here. Okay. Well, I will talk to you soon. Have a good day. You too. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Lindsay Stein on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. <laughs>